0: Today's episode is brought to you by Mazars. Sound Cartel. What could you do with the cool $5 million in growth equity for your business? How much could it expand? Well, that's not just a pipe dream anymore. From Sound Cartel, I'm Nicole Goodman, and this is Business Essentials Daily. A public-private partnership called the Australian Business Growth Fund or ABGF has already spent tens of thousands of dollars growing some very lucky businesses. The ABGF's chief executive and MD, Anthony Healy, says that the level of investment will only increase over time and that the sky's the limit for SMBs that meet a set of criteria. Anthony starts by explaining what growth equity is to Jeff Waters.
1: Well, I think first of all, you can have equity and debt as a business, and both of them do enable growth and fund growth. But when it comes to equity, there are really three types. There's VC or venture capital, there's growth equity, and there's what we call buyout capital or buyout equity. And growth capital sits between early stage VC and buyout capital. So typically, it's where a business is in their growth cycle or their life cycle that tends to determine what sort of equity or capital is best for what they need it for. So for venture capital, that's really when your business is starting out, it's early stage capital, and typically it's pre-profit for a business. So it's a profit that's very early stage and not yet profitable. Growth capital is for established businesses with an established business model, needing investment really to realise growth. They're typically profitable. And growth capital is, at least in our case, defined as minority shareholding. So we're not taking control of the business. Whereas large buyout funds tend to exercise control. So they'll take more than a 50% interest in the business. It's typically for larger businesses that might be looking for an exit or looking for substantial new shareholders. So
2: your organisation is called the Australian Business Growth Fund. That's right. So presumably you're funding growth capital. What sort of businesses could qualify for that sort of growth capital?
1: Well, uh, we have a very clear mandate that's been set by our shareholders. And our shareholders are the federal government, the four major banks, plus Macquarie and RGBC. And that mandate is designed to meet a gap in the market that our shareholders, I think, and, and I've always observed, where there's a real gap for minority growth capital for small and medium businesses. So the mandate's very clear. We look for established businesses that are profitable, that are Australian headquartered. The turnover range is 2 million to 100 million. They're looking to raise between 5 and 15 million of capital because that's the cheque size that we write. But we are sector agnostic, so we'll invest in different sectors across all sorts of industries. But we do have an ESG policy, so there are some sectors that we won't invest in that don't meet our ESG principles. I'm sorry, what does ESG stand for? Environmental, social and governance principles. Thank you. And also, we won't invest in APRA licensed businesses. That's because our shareholders are banks.
2: Yes. Well, backing up a bit, you're a public-private partnership between the government
1: and the four major banks. Is that right? Why were you set up? Yeah, that's right. It is a pretty unique model, this public-private partnership. I think the origin of it was a recognition from me and others of this gap in the market. And we saw lots of small and medium businesses, lots of entrepreneurs that had great growth potential in front of them, but debt could only take them so far and they really needed more growth equity capital So we took the idea to the federal government, to the banks and said, look, we think we can build a model here. And it looks a lot like the model of the UK Business Growth Fund, which was founded in Britain about 11 years ago. And I had a look at that model. It seemed to suit the market here. So we adapted it for the Australian market, went to those shareholders and said, look, we'd like to raise capital to support entrepreneurs, family-owned businesses in Australia. Here's how we think we could do it. The banks got on board, the government got on board, and here we are today. Terrific. And
2: say I am one of these businesses that has between 2 and $100 million turnover, what do I need to prove to you to secure
1: investment? Yes. Well, I think we've covered the turnover range and the requirement to be profitable uh, to start with. What we're really looking for is businesses that have a clear and defendable market position and a clear value proposition that the competitive advantage is sustainable. So you've gotta have a pretty compelling business model with significant growth potential and that you're clear about the use of those funds for that growth. So we're looking for businesses that are strong businesses, strong market position, and have real growth opportunities in front of them. Obviously, I said earlier, Australian headquartered, and we're very clear that we are only ever a minority shareholder. So if the value of your business is too small and our minimum check size of five million would take us above a 50% shareholding, then we can't do that. Now, there are ways we can structure it to avoid a majority shareholding, but typically it's got to be a business where we remain a minority shareholder.
2: Of the businesses that you've funded so far, do they tend to be in certain sectors?
1: Well, so far, they've been in a range of sectors. And I think as we get bigger and bigger, what I think the fund will eventually reflect is the mix of the economy. But today, if you take in our first year, we closed five investments. We invested $55 million of capital in the first year, and they were in businesses including a battery manufacturing business, uh, so in green tech, a healthcare business, there was an enterprise architecture software business, there was a last mile logistics business, and finally, there was a business that's in e-waste management. So quite a range, actually. And as I look at the businesses we're now looking at, and several of which we're in due diligence for, they're in new industries again. And these are exciting businesses with good management teams, clear on where their growth opportunities are, and looking to invest to realise that growth. So does this
2: arrangement mean that the government is potentially making money, making profits
1: out of this? Well, the way we've set it up is that the... Six banks plus the government are shareholders. We have a business plan. We're required to deliver a commercial return because we want this to be sustainable. It's not a charity. And so uh, we will, over time, as we exit businesses in the future, when we might have been invested for five, six, seven years, some of those businesses will get to a natural point for us to exit or even for us and the founder to exit. And we will generate, hopefully, commercial returns as we exit as a multiple of what we invested in the first place. So the government... Will that be invested back into the business or does somebody skim that? No, so this is a it's a really good question. This is what we call an evergreen fund. So unlike a lot of private equity funds that raise capital, invested in businesses, and as they exit those businesses they return the capital to the original investors. Yes. We reinvest all of the capital that we realise from exits down the track, if you like the profits plus the original capital, back into the fund to invest in more businesses. So it will grow organically over time so we can help more and more businesses and benefit more businesses in the Australian economy. And Sounds like a win-win for everybody. Yeah, well, hopefully. The idea is that we see these businesses thrive, they grow employment, they grow economic growth in communities around the country, and the shareholders generate a commercial return from that. Now, originally, the return will be in growth in the value of their investment, because as I said, we're not returning the capital. But over time, we would look to pay a dividend to our shareholders to start to monetise some of that return. All right, are there any sorts of businesses that just wouldn't be attractive to you? Well, I think in some ways the opposite of what the businesses that are attractive. So, businesses that maybe don't have a sustainable competitive advantage or don't have significant growth potential or, you know, they're not headquartered in Australia. That would be the first kind of criteria that would mean we probably wouldn't be able to invest because it wouldn't be an attractive investment where we could realize growth but also we don't invest in businesses that are in distress so often businesses are you know managing day-to-day managing their cash flows and we're always encouraging businesses to think about growth capital before they get to the point where their cash runs out so the idea is it'd be the business we may not invest in would be those that are either in distress or can't if you like, articulate a clear market position and clear growth opportunities in front of them.
2: Okay. I'm a small business owner and I'm listening to this and I've gotten very excited at the thought that you might be able to inject some
1: capital into my business. What are the first steps that I should take? Well I think you've got to think of it as a set of personal considerations and business considerations. So firstly on on the personal side, understand why you're raising capital in the first place. So are you seeking a short-term outcome, short-term returns, or a long-term partner who can take the business to the next level of growth. And growth capital typically suits that second type of need where you're looking for a long-term partner to realise growth over a longer-term period of time. Founders also need to think about what their future role in the business is, how much involvement do they want to have in the business moving forward, And for those that want to stay involved, I think that's where growth equity really works, particularly as a minority shareholder. So we're backing the owner. We're backing the founder of the business. We're not looking for the founder to walk away as soon as we write a check for a shareholding. And I think one thing I'd encourage people to do as they're thinking about the personal considerations is to talk to someone that's been through it before. There are plenty of people who've successfully grown and exited businesses, usually family businesses. Other entrepreneurs and business owners, and and even investors that have invested in businesses before, to get a feel for what you should be thinking about and what you might experience over time in a situation like that. Then, from a business perspective, I think be able and ready to articulate your business strategy, including your goals for the business and how you plan to get there over time. Uh, be able to communicate your financials, ensure that they can stand up to due diligence. And this is where you'll probably spend most of your time as an investor comes in to look at your business, preparing to raise capital, because the numbers go straight to the value of the business and it's what you'll ultimately be negotiating with investors, which is how resilient, how reliable are your financials, and what does that mean for the value of your business. So having really good financial data, clear balance sheet information, historical financials going back several years, and of course, having an ability to project forward and forecast financials based on the outlook for your business, and particularly the outlook for your business post-investment. I think you have to be operationally ready as well, ensure that contracts that you have and existing shareholder agreements are properly executed and in in order, that you've got an accurate share register and that you clear and have clear title or ownership to your intellectual property if you have some in your business. And I think when you're going through a process like this, have the right support around you. A good advisor is absolutely vital when you're negotiating with outside investors or you're thinking about taking on external capital they can provide a lot of counsel a lot of advice and they can help you manage that process
0: that's anthony healy ceo and md of the australian business growth fund this episode of business essentials daily is produced by the team at sound cartel thanks for listening i'm nicole goodman we'll bring you more b daily Tomorrow. Follow at BE Daily Podcast across social media and head to bedaily.com.au for more from the Business Essentials Daily Podcast. Sound this episode was brought to you by Mazars. To find out more, visit mazars.com.au. That's M A Z A R S.com.au.